This podcast is not here for those people that are trying to stay out of last place. Because those consequences don't exist for the people that are listening to this podcast. These are the people that always end up in the playoffs but can't seem to get over that hump. Or the ones who just want to dominate year after year just to show everybody else they're the champions. Guys, this is a fantasy football intervention. And we're about to intervene with your fantasy football life. Welcome on into Fantasy Intervention. Coming at you guys, all you addicts out there, thank you for listening in. We just had our largest weekly listen this week, and I'm super, super excited to announce that. You guys are growing. We're growing as a team. This is awesome. I'm really, really super excited for this, guys. With that being said, we're going to cover a few different things today, such as FMK, and we're unleashing our brand new segment, BDSM. That's right, you heard it right. BDSM. Glutton for punishment. I'll explain that to you guys in a little bit. But before we actually get this episode started, I want to welcome in Devin. What's going on, Devin? How are you doing? Doing pretty good, man. Like you said, man, we're out here. We're growing and we're showing. Let's go. Thank you guys so much for that support. Ready to get this episode kicked off. Let's do it. Absolutely. I'm going to go ahead and dive real quick into a very hot topic amongst NFL fans, and that is the flags. Flags are flying. Flags are flying everywhere. And obviously we saw last week with Tom Brady and the tweet that he put out about, you know, not even being able to watch the game, having to turn it off. And all of a sudden, all the refs got called in and they have their conference that they normally have. And they said, hey, we need to slow down on throwing these holding flags. Now, this is where I come in. Devin, you can correct me if I'm wrong, but when a player starts getting older, they can move from cornerback to safety, Correct. Very true. And then the safeties, if they're bigger safeties, they can move into the linebacker position. Yes, sir. The linebackers can move into a defensive end position if they get older. I think someone like Anthony Barr, you know, he's someone that could eventually shift down as he ages. Yeah, and then the defensive ends, if they end up getting bigger as they get older, can end up moving to defensive tackles. Yep, interior. And then you've even seen defensive tackles that can move to guards and offensive line. Yeah, I mean, a lot of offensive linemen are former tight ends. They just, you bulk them up. They have a lot of that same skill set already. And you just, people are just malleable like that, man. Absolutely. So I'm sitting there and I'm listening to uh, Schlereff, right? And he said, after you go from offensive line, you become a fan. You don't have anywhere else to go. <laughs> you can't move from offensive line to running back or from offensive line to defensive tackle. Like typically, the better athletes, they're at other positions. The worst athletes on the field are typically interior offensive linemen. Obviously, the tackles move to interior offensive linemen as well as they get older. But still, it's all about technique. Nobody can do their job better than the offensive linemen can right off the bat. But you don't have to be necessarily athletic to pull this offensive line. It's more about technique. And this is all that that Mark Schlerf was talking about. Don't forget, this is one of the best offensive linemen in NFL history. And this is what he's saying. He's saying that he could literally take a table out of the middle of a room and nobody, nobody could get past him. He doesn't care who it is. And he doesn't care that he hasn't done it in, in 10 years. Nobody could end up getting past him. He would have him tied up, 
literally with hands and legs behind their back in, in about 30 seconds. Nobody could get past them because of technique and the practice that goes into being an offensive lineman. They have to practice harder than anybody else because they're not the best athletes on the field. With that being said, you take away the preseason. You take away all the practice time they get. You take away the hits that they take in the offseason. You say, hey, you guys can't go full contact anymore. You got to be easier. You're taking away valuable, valuable practice time. So I don't think the refs are being harder on holding calls. They didn't all of a sudden get together and be like, oh, we got to start calling more holding calls this year. No, they had to do it because the offensive linemen were holding. They didn't get practice in. They were holding. So yeah, if they end up getting easier, that's great. But the whole reason why they're doing it is because the NFL wants to expand to 17 games next year. So they'll have a total of 18 and they just get the bye week. But they had to be able to let off the gas when it came to preseason and the offseason workouts in order to start getting the players to agree to a longer season. They couldn't just say, hey guys, we're going to go to a longer season. You guys have no choice. No, they're letting off of certain things, including holding penalties and going easier on players. So the players are sitting there looking at, oh wow, they've done this for us, they've done this for us, they've done this for us. We can at least look into a 17-game season. That's why they're doing it. Wake up, guys. Wake up. With less holding penalties comes more offense. And that's what the NFL wants as well. They want more offense all over the field. So look for some of these worse offensive lines over the next few years to start figuring out ways to hold when it comes to what the refs are allowing. And realize, hey, defense is no longer king in the NFL. And we saw this coming. It is now shifting into an offensive paradigm. And this was coming years and years long in the making. But now it's a reality. Once the coaches can sit down and study what the refs called and what the refs did not call. They will start coaching their players to try and get away with certain things. And this is where offense explodes. Expect a huge, huge, I'm talking about ginormous offensive explosion over the next two or three years. And most people are going to sit there and they're going to say, well, it's already been happening. No, I'm talking about at a whole different level. I'm talking about where you're going to see a regular score a regular typical score is going to be 40 points. If you're giving the quarterback massive amounts of more time and cleaner pockets because you're holding in different ways that they've never held before, bigger plays, more completions, it's going to be insane. Think about it. You know, if the average quarterback, let's just say, has three, maybe four seconds in the pocket, think about if they're getting six seconds in the pocket. Six and a half seconds. The game completely stops for them. It's going to be insane. I mean, that's why Belichick's always successful, because he does this every year. He's done this for decades, <laughs> the past couple decades. He knows what his team can get away with. Yeah, he they pushes the envelope. It. He does it. He pushes the envelope. Greg Williams is, a, is another topic as yeah. well. He pushes the envelope. And obviously yeah, he pushes he gets, the envelope <laughs> of money to his players for when they start <laughs> attacking people for their bounties. Yeah, that's a true story. All right, guys, so we're going to go ahead and get Fuck started you, with... <laughs> We're gonna uh, we're gonna go ahead and get started with this episode, guys. And we're gonna start out with F M K. Here we go.
MK, which is Earmuffs Kids, fuck, Mary kill. And that's just gonna be talking about guys that we really, really like this week. That's gonna be the Mary, the person that we know is gonna end up performing. And then you have the F, which is somebody that you can play in your flex spot this week. Somebody that you have a good feeling about, but it's not necessarily a lock. And then you have the kill, which is the one you want nothing to do with. You want them off your team. Get rid of them right now. And some of these are unfair just because of the way that we make these pairings. They're not always people that you want to kill, but you're kind of just kind of effed in a certain situation. Yeah, I mean, to an extent, we'll, we'll bring up those situations. So it's, it's more of a ranking system where we take three guys that are in very similar tiers or very similar situations, and we want to rank them for you guys. So that way, if you have decisions about your roster that you have to make, we can help you out with those decisions. So yeah, we're not necessarily saying that they're terrible players. We just like the other two players ahead of them. So we're going to go and start it out with Young Guns. And we have on here the man, the myth, the legend. Garner Minshew up against Denver. We have Danimal. Yes, that's Daniel Jones up against Washington. Danny Dimes. And then we're going to need to figure out a name for Kyler Murray, but they kind of come to us, so we take our time with this. Kyler Murray up against Seattle. So, you want to take this one? I'm going to take this one right here, man. I'm going to tell you, I'm killing Kyler Murray right now. Ooh, that's interesting. It is. He throws for a lot of yards, but my problem is... He doesn't always win, and the scoring thing is also a little bit of a problem for me. Yeah, they don't really do too well in the red zone overall. Yeah, I mean, that first week where they came back against the, the Lions to make the tie, and they were in a close matchup against the Ravens, but still, they're not putting a lot of points on the board. Again, he does throw for a lot of yards, so he does have fantasy relevance there, but still, I'm looking for touchdowns because they give you more points. Well, you also have to keep in mind that with Kyler Murray, there was a good amount of drops as well. That's true. So the drops are definitely an issue. Uh, for me, Kyler Murray is actually going to be my F. I'm effing Kyler Murray this week. I think that he has a potential breakout performance this week with the Seahawks putting up a ton of points against Arizona. The Seahawks are, are not, by any stretch of the imagination, a good defense right now. They're, they're okay. But they're not a good, solid defense. They're still giving up a ton of points, including 20 to the Cincinnati Bengals in week one, which is unacceptable. If you guys hear me talk about the Cardinals and the Bengals, I compare these two teams. They're in extremely similar situations, but they have Kyler Murray on Arizona. And Kyler Murray is dangerous. I believe the other two games, they ended up giving up 27 and 33. So there are points to be had from the Seattle Seahawks. And I actually had uh, somebody just send in a question for us. So this will actually allow me to answer this question for you guys while we're sitting here at the table. Shout out to Adam. And Adam asks, Wentz or Kyler Murray? If you guys listen to the episode that we, we published on Thursday, we'll go into all that. And we'll see if we're right or wrong by the time this episode comes out. But what I said about the Cards and the Hawks is that it should be an extremely high-scoring game. We know that Seattle will definitely put up points, forcing the game script to favor Kyler Murray. This matchup has the writing all over it of Murray's breakout fantasy game where he launches himself into that next-level stratosphere, and he can do it with his legs, he can do it with his arms, he can do it with everything. And he should have had another touchdown in last week's performance, but I believe right before the half, it ended up being dropped. So... I think that Kyler Murray goes out there and produces this week, being my F. 
However, I have somebody that I like a little bit more. So who's your next one? Well, my F is going to be Danny Dimes, Daniel Jones of the New York Giants. He has a nice little matchup coming up here against the Washington Redskins. Don't cry. Yeah, I know, I know. <laughs> it's tough. Danny Dimes, man, he's, he's young, he's athletic. He had a hell of a game last week. Obviously, if Matt Gay didn't push that field goal to the right, it'd be a little bit of a different story because he'd be like, oh, he couldn't finish out the game, things like that. But Danny Dimes, man, he had a great game. He's my F. And I think that this Washington Redskins is able to keep it rolling. For me, uh, the Washington Redskins are my team. Just to give you guys a heads up. But Danny Dimes or Danimal, can we get a vote on that? What do you guys like more? Danimal Jones or Danny Dimes? I want to hear it. Is actually my Mary. I think that he puts up not only points with his arm this week, but also points with his leg. We saw him rolling out. We saw him extremely mobile last week. I think that he has a great, great game up against the Washington Redskins. But we have to see who that receiver is. Redskins have proven to have a poor secondary. I don't really know who he's going to go to yet. Sterling Shepard is interesting along with a few others. So, mm-hmm. with that being said, he is my Mary this week. Gotcha. Yeah, the receiver problem in New York is what's keeping Daniel Jones from being my Mary. My Mary, if you've done your math, it's the legend. Gardner Minshew II. This guy, he's phenomenal. He has a nice little matchup coming up here against the Denver Broncos. I'm looking for this to be a huge Chark Jr. game again. And I'm looking for O'Shaughnessy in the end zone. I want to say hot take, call for two touchdowns for O'Shaughnessy this week. But my hot takes aren't always right. But (laughs) I think O'Shaughnessy has a solid week this week. And the legend is my Mary. So I can see the O'Shaughnessy thing actually happening because of the fact that Denver has Chris Harris. And Chris Harris is a shutdown cornerback. He's going to be matched up with DJ Shark this week. But I'm going to have to kill Minshew because Denver is the fourth-ranked overall defense this week. And I could see it kind of being a, a slugfest. I think that Garner Minshew goes into this game and manages the game extremely well. Jacksonville Jaguars come out with a win. But Garner Minshew ends up with 15, 16 points. And everybody's extremely happy with that except for the people that started him in fantasy. I'm going to go in a little bit more because we do have another topic coming up. And I will review some of the points of why I think that certain players will go off in Jacksonville, but I'm going to pump the brakes on Gardner Minshew. Ooh. Killing Gardner Minshew this week. On to our running backs. We have the next group, which is what have you done for me lately? And these are players that have not performed over the past couple weeks, and one of them that actually just popped up for everybody. Josh Jacobs up against Indianapolis. We have Wayne Gallman up against the Redskins. And then we have Montgomery, David Montgomery, that is, up against Minnesota. So I'll go ahead and pop onto this one first, and I am going to go ahead and start out with my kill on this one, which is going to be Montgomery. They're up against a tough Minnesota defense. They're going to try and run. There is a little bit of potential that Montgomery puts it up, but that timeshare is still there. Yes, they're trying to work him into a primary role, but that timeshare is still there. And it keeps Montgomery from being my Mary or my F on this episode. Minnesota is the 10th ranked overall defense up against the run. And I could see them shutting out Montgomery, leaving him with less than 50 all-purpose yards. Well, I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to piggyback off that from Montgomery. He's my F this week. Again, I'm, I wouldn't play him in specifically in this game, but I'm going to mess with him for just effing him for a couple weeks. He has a, he has a nice little matchup coming up next week against the Oakland Raiders 
And I feel like this might be his breakout game where he finally gets into that, that starting role. He finally takes the reins and like, Coach Nagy, I'm here. Yeah, play me. Give me more touches, man. Dude, he fights through everything, man. He, he does. Always, he always falls forward. Two, three extra just jumps. Like, he gets hit. He's always, he's always falling forward. He's always trying to get to that next level. He just needs more touches. I wish we'd get in the coach's headset and be like, what the fuck are you doing? Like, Nagy, like, I'm, don't do this against Minnesota. Stop trying to outsmart <laughs> yourself. <laughs> right. He's, I mean, they even said, like, they had to simplify their playbook so much because it's like they're just doing too much and they're confusing their own team. Oh, I didn't hear that. That's actually extremely intriguing. So if they do that, then Montgomery actually has potential. Yeah. Not against Minnesota. Do not use him against Minnesota. Hey, you're effing him, so. I'm effing him not for this week, but for the future. <laughs> just for all week the next week. week. Now. I want this to not be him. Well, because I, I'm not going to fucking, I'm not effing with Gallman. So I had to pick one for my F, so Montgomery. That's that's a good take. Like, hey, you don't want anything to do with Wayne <laughs> I Gallman. Have zero. The, spoiler: I have zero interest in Wayne Gallman in this game. So I'm gonna go ahead and pop on to my next one. In uh, we're gonna talk about Wayne Gallman here because I'm gonna f Wayne Gallman for this game. However, the Giants just signed JHI. JHI is not in football playing shape yet. They said that he still has to get back. He's been out of the league for whatever a year now, and he has to get back into football shape. He is not going to affect this game and probably not the next couple games. So that leaves Wayne Gallman in a complete workhorse role. Now, Wayne Gallman's not great, but he put up over four yards per carry, I believe, before Saquon Barkley got there. It is a terrible offensive line, but up against the Redskins this week, it could end up producing a little bit of points. I'm still not that interested, but I do like him more than I like Montgomery. So I'm going to F Wayne Gallman. By the way, Redskins are ranked number 11 overall in rush defense. Well, we already kind of covered yours. <laughs> <laughs> That's fair. It seems like we both are marrying Josh Jacobs. Okay, so you're just going to leave Wayne Gallman and just be like, fuck, well, I already want to talk you. about it. It's, it's just, it's Wayne Gallman. Yes, he was a decent running back in college, and he's been okay behind Saquon Barkley, but obviously he hasn't had a lot of touches. It's currently this season he has seven touches, 30 yards, 4.3 average, and one score. You said it already. Terrible offensive line. That defense that he's going up against, it's not the best, but it's also not the worst. It's better than average. So I think that he's not going to have a big game. He's obviously going to have a lot of opportunity. I just don't think he rises to the challenge. My biggest thing is the fact that when Wayne Gallman did play with the Giants prior to this, he didn't have Daniel Jones, who is a mobile quarterback to an extent, that he can run the RPO. So if he ends up being able to sneak in a couple RPO plays, it could end up freezing that middle linebacker or the linebackers in general, and it could end up producing in a bigger way for Wayne Gallman. That's true. I could definitely see that. I mean, I've never really seen Gallman as a pass catching back. I haven't seen that to an extent that makes me believe that he's a great pass catcher out of the backfield that could help Daniel Jones. And then maybe with the addition of you know, a younger, born mobile quarterback, it will help Gallman. Yeah, just freeze the linebackers, yeah. essentially. So, I mean, but like I said, I, I'm effing them and barely effing them. You're killing them. Right. <laughs> like, I'm, like, sticking in the tip. Yeah, just just, just the tip. Just the tip. Just, I'm just playing just the game. The tip. But if you've done your mathematics correctly, not the common core, just the regular mathematics that we learned in school, we are both marrying Josh Jacobs. Chase, tell me why. Up against the 27th overall ranked defense against running back and Darius Lennard, potentially being out along with Malik Hooker. They're going to have to put more people in a coverage. All right? They're afraid of Tyrell Williams. They're afraid of Darren Waller. And Josh Jacobs hasn't produced. He's been a little quiet mouth sneaking around because he was sick. I talked about it in the episode that came out on Thursday. 
He, is not, he was not well over the past two weeks, lost 10 pounds. They were having to pump him full of fluids to keep him hydrated because he was that sick. He's coming out strong this week. Play Josh Jacobs with confidence. And I talked about it in the DFS episode as well. He's only $6,000 on FanDuel. Play him in FanDuel as well this week and feel confident in it. I second that. <laughs> Do you have anything to add? <laughs> I mean, just like you said, man, he, it's been rough the past couple of weeks for him. But with a couple of these next matchups, he's definitely going to have big games. He's one of those guys that he was drafted early for a reason. He is a fantastic running back. Give him a chance. All right. So I want to call this my knees, yo. But <laughs> Devin opted to go with SEC. What was it? Go ahead. Na- announce the next topic because I can't remember. <laughs> SEC report for knee surgery, please. All right, so we have Todd Gurley, Leonard Fournette, and Kerryon Johnson. Todd Gurley is up against Tampa Bay. Leonard Fournette is up against Denver. And Kerryon Johnson is up against Kansas City. You were up, my friend. Who are you doing first? Might be crazy. I might be a little crazy. I'm going to kill Todd Gurley. You're going to kill Todd Gurley. You're killing Todd Gurley. I'm killing Todd Gurley. That's insane. But, hey, it is what it is, man. You have to make these tough decisions, and that's why we're here. We're here to help you out. There's a good chance you could have ended up with Gurley, Fournette, and Carrion Johnson in this past year's draft. So we wanted to cover it and tell you guys which guys we like and which guys we don't. I don't completely dislike Gurley, of course. Gurley is an amazing running back. He was drafted early in his draft for a reason as well. But he's not the Todd Gurley from a couple seasons ago, even from last season. Hey, he might be, but they he lost might be. Roger Saffold this past year. And Thank now you. all of a sudden he's in Tennessee. Tennessee has Derrick Henry. And look what Tennessee's doing this year with Derrick Henry. That's a big piece. Yeah, I mean. Losing have, Roger Saffold is huge. You have Andrew Whitworth. He's about 500 years old. You lost Saffold. The line's aging. It's getting to a point where Gurley is only being used for so much time. Malcolm Brown's getting most of those touches in the red zone. He's the one that's kind of getting the the better of that the benefit of that era area i mean that was the case in week one but that hasn't been the case the past two weeks for me uh todd Gurley wise i'm actually going to be effing todd Gurley. here's the thing todd Gurley when he dominated he was getting passing work i think he's only had four receptions so far this year that's insane. Todd Gurley was getting six, seven, ten receptions every game. He's not getting it yet. Let's see Tampa Bay stop Todd Gurley in the screen game. Please, McVay, bring back that screen game. Please bring back that screen game. Stop running Todd Gurley like you're running an Adam Gase system. You look like Adam Gase right now. <laughs> you're just pounding it up the middle for no freaking reason. Sean McVay, get away from what you're doing right now and go back to the screen game with Todd Gurley. So I'm effing Todd Gurley this week in hopes that enough people got into his ear and talked about bringing back the screen game. On to the next one for you. And if they're not getting in your ear, listen to our podcast. We'll get in your ear. Yeah, we'll get in your ear. We'll get an all in your ear. So my F is going to be carry on Johnson. Again, his average is pretty low. It's only 2.6, and he only has one touchdown on the season and only rushing for 126 yards thus far. But I feel like this is going to be a game that can give him a lot of passing down work. And if he can control the clock with a lot of running. We want to see that. <laughs> like you said, if you get Gurley in the screen game and just get him behind the offensive line and just fucking go down like a convoy, do the same thing with Carrion Johnson, man. I'd love to see that. So that's why Carrion's going to be my effort this week. What about you, man? 
Yeah, I love carry on this week. He's actually gonna be my Mary. Uh, the one thing that does scare me is Ty Johnson. This guy is talented. He's actually one of my favorite running backs out of this class, and he is electric. If he ends up coming in on third downs, it scares the shit out of me. However, they got rid of C.J. Anderson, so they're not going to be alternating drives of when Carrion plays when he does it. He is now the workhorse back. So hopefully he gets those third downs, and hopefully he gets in on the receiving game, and he produces at a high-end level. If he gets in on the receiving game, he's a good receiver. He's solid. Like, he was brought in to be a three-down back. They've just been trying to keep his knees fresh, obviously, hence the name of the topic. So they have him playing him at a full work level. I think they need to do that now. I think he's ready. So on to the last one. You have Leonard Fournette is the last one. Leonard Fournette is my Mary. Wow. That's impressive. Why are you marrying Leonard Fournette? It's not for what he's done yet, but what he's going to do. He has not seen the end zone yet for a rushing score. He has 179 rushing yards, and his average is decent at 4.2. But again, he has not seen pay dirt yet. Who does Jacksonville play this week? They play the Denver Broncos. The Denver Broncos. Leonard Fournette breakout game. God, you're all over. You're all over Jacksonville players right now. Well, I mean, you know, DJ Chark, he was really solid these past couple weeks for me. Thank you, DJ. You're the man. And Fournette hasn't really reaped the rewards yet. Sunday's the day. So I'm actually killing Leonard Fournette. What if I told you Leonard Fournette had 92 total all-purpose yards last week, along with six catches on eight targets? You were pretty stoked, right? Yeah, sounds good. I mean, that's that's a great lineup, especially if you're in full point PPR. Talking about 15 plus points. Yeah. What if I told you that he ended up taking those six receptions for 26 yards? Eh, meh. You know, that's good. Whatever. He got the six receptions. That's awesome. Decent. So he ended up averaging 4.4 yards. Once again, good, solid. 16 carries, 66 yards. What if I told you that his longest carry of the game was 69 yards? <laughs> So he, he had a, the longest carry of the game was 69 yards. On 14 carries, he lost three yards. Mathematics, yeah. Now, Denver does have the 23rd overall ranked defense, but that is not good. That is not good. I don't know who else they're going to go to, obviously, but I think that the Jacksonville Jaguars are kind of hoping a little bit that Leonard Fournette ends up re-injuring his ankles or knees or whatever the hell it was. So that way they can go and trade for Kenyon Drake and get him out of Miami. <laughs> I think that Kenyon Drake is the next player to get traded out of Miami. Separate topic, but... Chase is talking some old shit right now. Leonard, don't listen to him. You got this. <laughs> You're getting two touchdowns on the ground this week in the Mile High City. Fuck you, Adam. Maybe if he just had the one carry for 69 yards, I'd get your back on this. But he had 15 carries for 66 yards as long as one was 60 fucking nine yards. That's terrible. All right, on to our next topic. Silent but deadly. We're going to talk about different receivers that can sneak up on you. They've been putting up decent amount of fantasy points, but they haven't really splashed yet, and they have potential to do it this week. We have Preston Williams up against the Chargers. We have Paul Richardson up against the Giants. And then we have... DK Metcalf up against Arizona. I'm going to go ahead and start this one out. And this one's tough. All three players I really like, like, a lot. I, I love all three players, actually, this week. I'm not a huge fan of DK Metcalf on a regular season basis, and Paul Richardson is hit or miss. I think that Preston Williams is an up-and-coming star. Paul Richardson, I'm going to have to kill. I really like him up against the Giants, like I said. But if the Redskins are in a tough spot and Case Keenum starts out the game kind of slow... You could see an opportunity for Dwayne Haskins to come in. If Dwayne Haskins comes in, 
I couldn't imagine that he had more than five reps all offseason preseason with Paul Richardson. Paul Richardson is a product of Case Keenum and his arm. He's producing because Case Keenum trusts him. I don't know if that's the same with Dwayne Haskins. It could all go, could all go to Terry McLaurin. And this whole argument could go to shit if McCoy ends up playing because Case Keenum was spotted in a walking boot. Keep an eye on that before this weekend. So, with that being said, I'm going to go ahead and kill Paul Richardson this week, which is, like I said, it's tough. Yeah, that is pretty tough. If Dwayne Haskins does go in, Terry McLaurin will definitely be his, his go-to guy since they were college teammates last year. Scary Terry, Dwayne Haskins, get those guys back together. Oh, they're, they're both going off. Ooh. I mean, well, Ooh. at least McLaurin's stats will be worth playing and starting every single week. Definitely. I mean, although they've still been great, they're worth playing every week right now with, with Case Keenum at, at quarterback. Yeah, I mean, McLaurin's having a hell of a rookie year so far. If you have McLaurin, keep playing him. But for Paul Richardson, he's going to be my F this week. This guy's catching almost every single thing that's going his way. He's got a couple touchdowns. He's 135 yards receiving thus far. And like you said, it's a Giants matchup. I feel like this might turn into a little bit of a shootout for him. Could be a big game, but like you said, I mean, it could go the wrong way if they take Case Keenum out if he has a couple interceptions or fumbles and they put Haskins in and then Haskins is like, I'm going to give a care. I don't crap about freaking Paul Richardson. I'm going to go with my guy Scary Terry. <laughs> so he's going to be my F this week, hoping that Case Keenum keeps the ball, throwing it to the people wearing the same color jersey as him, and Paul Richardson is a good game. So I'm going to go with T.K. Metcalf next. Arizona Cardinals are the 14th overall ranked defense against wide receivers. That's just because the teams are getting up on them and not needing to go to the wide receivers. However, this week, Russell Wilson is going to go ham, and he's going to take Tyler Lockett, D.K. Metcalf, and Will Disley with him. I'm marrying D.K. Metcalf this week, especially, especially, especially in tournament settings for DFS. You talk about a guy that might have low ownership but doesn't cost very much, D.K. Metcalf is key. DK is my kill this week. He has a touchdown. He has the most receiving yards out of all three of these guys. But he's approximately he's he's got about a 50% catch rate right now. He's been thrown to 19 times and he only has nine receptions. That terrifies me. I think, like you said, Lockett and Disley are gonna help carry Wilson to the promised land. But I think DK Metcalf is not gonna be on that boat. I'm killing him. Damn, that's brutal. All right, so up for the last one, we have Preston Williams, and I'm going to F the hell out of Preston Williams. This is what scares me with Preston Williams. Albert Wilson is talking about coming back this week. That scares me, but that also makes me really, really happy because the Chargers are going to have to concentrate on Albert Wilson, who is actually technically their alpha wide receiver, although I don't think that Albert Wilson will have that for long. I think that Preston Williams, who won't be paid very much attention to being an undrafted rookie wide receiver, will end up sneaking in a couple touchdowns late. The Chargers defense is not nearly, not nearly as good as the Baltimore Ravens, the New England Patriots, and the Dallas Cowboys. And Preston Williams spent most of his time lined up across from Gilmore and Byron Jones, and then, of course, just the dominant Baltimore Ravens defense. Like, I don't even, it doesn't matter who you go up against. They're all tough matchups. This is going to be an easier one for him. Casey Hayward, I think, is either going to be focused on Devontae Parker, hopefully, or Albert Wilson if he's in. I'm really hoping that Preston Williams, who is quick, fluid, big, fast, 
can end up sticking one or two touchdowns into the end zone. I'm effing Preston Williams up against the Chargers. Defense ranked overall 19th this week against wide receivers. You're effing him. I'm putting a ring on it. You're marrying him? I'm going to marry him. I'm going to marry this guy right here. It is scary because he plays for the Miami Dolphins. I saw it week one of the preseason. This man was all over the place. Most of his targets, like I said, he had, I think he still has, he leads the Dolphins in targets with like 25 targets right now. He has 23 targets, but only 11 receptions. So that catch rate appears to be low for him. But the throws that I've seen are not always to him. They're five yards They're very sporadic with Josh Rosen. You know, they're behind him. Just not great quarterback play for him currently. But I think once Josh Rosen finally just gets that game with him against the Chargers, Preston Williams is going to be that guy. I can just see him coming right across the field. A just drop cross. a shallow cross to him. Let him just take it up the field. Speed kills, baby. Preston Williams putting a ring on it. Do you know who his best friend is? Preston Williams? Yeah. I do not. Josh Tell Rosen. Him. Oh, really? Are, are they, are they, I just heard it today. They're, they're actually best friends. Oh, cool. Well, Josh, throw it to your best friend and prove me right. Yeah, go in the front yard. Play some catch. All right, so we're on to the next topic. Where did you go? And we're going to talk about players that just disappeared this season so far, but we're supposed to be semi-top-end producers. Guys that got a ton of positive reviews back in the offseason, but just have not produced. So we have Mike Williams up against Miami. We have Stefan Diggs up against Chicago. We have D.D. Westbrook up against Denver. And you're up, bud. Which one are you starting out with? Stefan Diggs. The Minneapolis miracle. I love you, Diggs. I'm going to F Diggs for this game. He always plays well against division opponents. I know that currently our team has been run heavy. He only has one touchdown on the season, and he's just over 100 yards receiving on the season. That's brutal. So far, he has 101 yards on six receptions, but it's Stephon Diggs. Yeah. I don't want to say this rudely to him. He's the least skilled blocking wide receiver on our team. Yeah, he, I mean, he's a, a guy that if you need to play, you go to him, but they've relied so much on Adam Thielen so far this season. I think that this is going to be the Diggs game. Right here, week four, Chicago. In Chicago, Diggs is going to have his game, and I'm effing him hard. I'm not marrying him, but I'm effing him real hard. Damn, that's ballsy. Chicago is ranked 21st overall up against wide receivers, so they have let some passes go. I mean, you look last week, and both Paul Richardson and Terry McLaurin produced you know, to a decent amount. They both got touchdowns in. So... I don't see Diggs really doing that poorly, but I am going to have to kill Diggs. I just don't see enough passes going around. This is going to be a tale of two running backs. They're just going to run the ball back and forth, gain like 40 yards, and then punt it. <laughs> um, I could also see that. I mean, like, how many? what's the over-under for punts in this game? 12? Oh, my God. I'm going to take 15 punts. 15, 15 total punts is the over-under. I might take the over still. <laughs> um, it's going to be pretty nuts. I'm going to go ahead and kill Stefan Diggs this week. I don't think... Too much more explanation needs to be made for that. Yeah, definitely fair. Like you said, a guy that was coming in as one of the top receivers in this this past draft, and he only has 100 yards going into week four of the season. That's rough. But Very rough. We'll see what comes of it. Good luck to you, Stefan. But we need, we're riding D-Cook all the way to Miami, baby. We'll see if he can pull a zombie, 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 <laughs> But my kill is going to be D.D. Westbrook. He's like the third receiver on this team now. 
Chark and Conley are leading the way, and then O'Shaughnessy, he's just going to bump. He's going to bump Westbrook out of the way. Westbrook only has 79 yards receiving. He has a touchdown, but 79 yards. He's been targeted 20 times. He has 11 receptions. I'm just killing him. I, I, Gardner Minshew has all these weapons, but he obviously has a great chemistry with Chark Jr., and he likes Conley and our guy O'Shaughnessy. Two touchdowns. Westbrook's my kill. For me, uh, I mean, Westbrook is definitely been disappointing so far this season. I'm not going to debate that, but like last week, he led the team in targets, nine. He actually dropped two passes, I believe. I think one of them was in the end zone. If not, both were in the end zone. So he should have had a touchdown last week, which would have mm-hmm. saved his whole entire fantasy-relevant game. That's fair. I mean, Hayden Hurst could have had a great game if he caught those touchdowns <laughs> against Kansas City. God damn it. Gamecock, but I love him. Should have had Mark Andrews in. But... <laughs> Anyways, uh, for for D.D. Westbrook, I'm actually going to be effing D.D. Westbrook this week. With Denver, they're fourth against wide receiver, but they've struggled up against the slot. D.D. Westbrook had nine targets last week. Once again, opposing teams are attacking Denver's slot cornerback position. They've actually targeted the slot last week nine different times. They're attacking that slot position over and over and over again. So I think that D.D. Westbrook... If he has that opportunity to get a reception in the end zone again, he's not dropping that. He's not dropping it. He's the most talented player on that team outside of DJ Shark. I think he's even more talented than Leonard Fournette. But I need to see more out of him in order to really support him. So I'm effing him lightly. Very easily. Leaving me with Mike Williams. My Mary. He's the only one of these three guys who has not hit pay dirt. But... This is the week. This is the game. Yep, this we're, is the game. We're both marrying him. He does not have a score yet, but he has the most yards out of these three. Oh, wow. I didn't know that. He has second most targets at 15 with eight catches and 157 yards. He's just not seeing pay dirt. He's getting the targets. But he's also been hurt, too. He's been hurt. No Hunter Henry in the red zone. Just put Mike Williams in the red zone package. Let this man go up and get it. So they were sitting there, and they were, they've been recording targets, obviously, right, for Keenan Allen. Right. And Keenan Allen has been targeted an insane amount. I believe he's on track right now to finish out with 224 targets. 224. I was like, there's no fucking way that he's going to finish up the season with 224 targets. So I went back, and I watched the tape from last week, and I saw... The Keenan Allen had a rush. That was pretty cool. But he had 17 targets. There's no fucking way he had 17 targets in one game. There's no, there's no fucking way he had 17 targets. Because when I watched the game, it looked like he had 30 or 40 targets. <laughs> Every single time Philip Turbidge dropped back, he was passing to Keenan <laughs> Allen. I swear to God, he did not have 17 targets. He had like 40, maybe 50 <laughs> targets. There's no fucking way. ESPN probably just maxed out on targets that day. They're like, fuck it. 17. <laughs> 17 looks good. Yeah, that, that just looks good. I mean, <laughs> Brandon Marshall had the 20 receptions game. That was pretty cool. But yeah. he ended up catching 13 of them. I don't know if teams are going to keep allowing this to happen. I mean, this is just criminal. Yeah. 17 targets. So if this guy is getting these around 20 yard, twenty uh, targets a game, they're going to start double covering this guy. It's going to leave Mike Williams. So Mike Williams, I think, now has a little bit of freedom up against that second corner. I think Mike Williams goes off this week. 
Obviously, Xavier Howard is going to be locked up with Keenan Allen, and Xavier Howard has been an exceptional cornerback so far this year. Obviously, they have no other help on that team. Mike Williams goes off this week. I'm marrying the shit out of the guy. I'm marrying him so hard. Putting a ring on it. All right, on to we need an ID, please. <laughs> this is going to be our tight ends that are young as shit. We need to see their ID before we let them into the club. So uh, we have Will Disley up against Arizona. We have Mark Andrews up against Cleveland. And we have TJ Hawkinson up against Kansas City. So I'm up first, and I think this is more of a story of who they've played versus what their actual ranking is, what the defensive ranking is. I'm looking at Arizona, and they played Hawkinson, who had a great game the first game of the season, Olsen, who had a great game, and Andrews, who had a great game. That's going to be typical with Arizona, but those are three really solid tight ends. You look at Cleveland, who is ranked number 11th overall, and they play the Rams, the Jets, and the Titans. The only good tight end in there who's not even that great, but he's solid, is going to be Delaney Walker, who put up two touchdowns. And then you have Kansas City, who's 28th ranked overall, and they've only played the Jaguars, the Raiders, and the Ravens. So you have two good tight ends out of that. So with that being said, I think that Cleveland is actually more on the level of Arizona, who's 32nd ranked, and Kansas City, that's 28th ranked, than they are actually 11th ranked overall. So I think it's a pretty even matchup when it comes to these tight ends. This is what makes it tough. But I'm going with Will Disley. This guy is going to put it up this week. I love Will Disley. He's not the typical big-time producer when it comes to tight end, when it comes to speed, when it comes to anything, but he knows how to score on a football field. He knows how to play football. Who would have thought a player that knows how to play football? Grew up in the country probably, I'm sure. Will Disley is going to be my Mary this week. I like that. Since you're marrying him, but before you marry him, before you put that ring on it, I'm going to F him. Woo! Real hard. I, I already married him. You can't F him. I married him. You haven't married him yet? He has to say yes. Um, so <laughs> you're pro you've proposed to him. He has not accepted that. And even if he accepted your proposal, he has to have the bachelor party. And I'm effing him bachelor party night. <laughs> so I'm going to eff him. This man is insane. 12 catches on 14 targets, 124 yards, and three touchdowns. I don't think it'd be crazy to say that this man could almost double his touchdowns this week. How many touchdowns did Arizona give up to Greg Olson last week? Two. Disley is much younger than Olsen. He's a solid tight end. Disley can have a great game, but there's just another guy that I really want to marry this week. And who is that? You can go ahead and say it. Mark Andrews. Mark Andrews, wow. I love Mark Andrews. I think that the Cleveland game could be his game to just be like, hey, don't forget about me. I know I wasn't in Kansas City very much, but I'm back. I'm ready to play football. I'm going to marry him. I got so much faith in Andrews this year. I don't care if he has one leg. This guy is going in there. He's going to catch anything that's in the end zone. He needs to be out there for Lamar Jackson's sake. Mark Andrews is my Mary. What are you doing to him? I'm killing him. <laughs> you son of a bitch. I just married him. I know. Well, it is what it is, man. I did talk about how I thought that Cleveland is equal to this. And like I said, all three tight ends are extremely, extremely close for me. So I don't, I'm not against the fact of Andrews doing this, but I have one player that I really want to talk about here up next. So Andrews is, is going to be my kill. But Hawkinson, man. Detroit is going to need to score. Hawkinson, and I've talked about I think I've covered Hawkinson now like in each of one of my episodes so far. Yeah, pick your pockets, son. God damn. Pick your pockets, son. This guy's got a fucking heart on. TJ, pick your pockets, son. <laughs> no, he had three different situations in the end zone that he just messed up. He dropped. He dropped. I don't care if it was torn out. He dropped. 
Two passes in the end zone and ended up stepping out. It was brutal. But I think he changes up this week with the Lions needing to score and Kansas City being ranked 28th overall to the tight end. I can see TJ pick your pockets, son, putting up significant points this week. He is going to be my F. This is what I was talking about at the top of this segment. All three of these guys can have a great week this week. It's just who's giving me the warm, fuzzy feelings? Disley and Andrews are doing that for me. Hawkinson did a couple weeks ago for me. The last week was just a letdown, but he's going to be my kill this week. But I still like TJ. He's a great, great tight end, solid rookie. It looks like the Detroit finally figured out how to use a rookie tight end, but he's not better than Disley or Andrews right now. Yeah, that's the toughest part is Matt Stafford doesn't really throw to the tight end that often, but he showed a ton of faith in going to him the past three times. It sucked that he didn't convert it, but yeah. Matt Stafford's a veteran. Who knows that he needs to get a rookie's confidence high up by giving him another opportunity to convert. Yeah, for my dad's sake, Hawkinson's doing this thing for him, just not this week. We'll see what happens. So, we're going to pop over to our next segment called BDSM, Glutton for Punishment. Ooh. We're going to explain this here in a second, so let's go ahead and pop over to this next segment. So with our Garden for Punishment segment, we're going to sit here and we're going to talk about certain defenses that are just glutton for punishment. They get abused every single week. We're going to talk about positions or defenses as a whole. It just depends. And then we're going to talk about players that we are constantly playing, even though they're abusing us. You'll get the gist of it. We're going to go ahead and get started. And Devin, you're going to go ahead and start this one out, right? Sure, and we're going to start defense this time. Right, we're going to end off with our offensive players. We're yep. going to alternate. It's a fun little segment. You'll enjoy. Stick with us. Glutton for punishment. My glutton for punishment. As a whole defense, it's the Atlanta defense versus the run. This team gets it, man. I thought at the first week that the Vikings played the Falcons that Grady Jarrett was really going to just go ham on us, but he just didn't. That interior line was just not really tough against the run. Their run defense is trash. Derrick Henry is going to run it down their throat. The Atlanta D, they had a, a bad day against Alvin Cook week one. It's, <laughs> it's going to be, be worse. Just as bad. I wouldn't be surprised if Derrick Henry doesn't run for 200 yards in this game on the Atlanta defense. That's going to be brutal, dude. <laughs> like, oh, my God. Derrick Henry's a start. <laughs> so we're going to go with Justin Coleman uh, versus slot wide receivers. Justin Coleman is struggling he is the slot corner for the lions and he had nine targets against him last week 25 on the year and he's allowed three touchdowns three touchdowns to the slot wide receiver that is brutal sammy Watkins runs 60 percent of his snaps out of the slot miko harbin runs 57 percent of the snaps out of the slot guess what it's patrick mahomes first game on turf Oh shit. What's gonna happen? It's gonna be so bad. This is gonna be it's gonna turn fun into a to Madden watch. Game. I mean, like I said, I think the Lions are gonna be able to keep up with them for the most yeah. part. I think that Matt Stafford's a good quarterback. He has had a few back issues once again. I don't know if they're reoccurring or not. I heard a report that they could have been, but Miko Hardman is gonna go off. They know what to expect from Sammy Watkins, and they oh, know yeah. what to expect from Miko. But when you have Sammy Watkins, Miko Hartman, and Demarcus Robinson on the field at the same time, I think that Miko Hardman in the slot will tear Justin Coleman's ass up. And it's going to be fun to watch. So It's going to be terrible. But the that's game will my be a lot closer first. than people will think. 
I think that it is going to be closer, but I think Miko Harvin has two touchdowns this week. Two. That's my bold prediction. Like it. So I'm picking Byron Murphy Jr. and DJ Swearinger playing up against tight ends. Week one, they played the Lions. The, T- the TJ Hawkinson, pick your pocket, son, coming out party. Week two, they played the Baltimore Ravens. Mark Andrews, the man. Last week, the old man. Did he need a walker to get in that end zone <laughs> twice? Greg Olson? That's Come crazy. on. Who do the Cardinals play this week? We just talked about it. The Seattle Seahawks. Will Disley could have three touchdowns in this game. It could be insane. This is a huge glutton for punishment. They just, they're taking the, the tight ends' balls all over the place, and they're not touching it. I think the tight ends are taking their balls all over <laughs> the, the Cardinals' faces. They're snatching them, man. They are not covering the tight ends well at all. This is going to be a big Will Disley game. So for my second pick, I'm going with the Bengals defense versus play action fake. <laughs> I know this is kind of funny, but 92% catch rate allowed whenever a team runs a play action fake against the Bengals. 92% catch rate. Is that even a thing? I didn't think so. Four touchdowns, 158.3 passer rating. A perfect passer rating. That's what the Bengals are allowing on play action fake. It's like they don't know what to do. They're like lost. Like, wait, where'd the ball go? I thought the running back had the ball. Oh, no. But you know why that happens? It's because they've allowed 16 explosive runs, which is the second most explosive runs allowed. So they're pretty much saying, hey, we can't stop the run game. We can't allow all these big explosive run plays. We have to stack the box and play the box like they're going to run it. And then they end up getting burned on the back end. Well, Mason Rudolph has a 69% completion rating when he does a play-action fake. He ends up scoring 109.1 passer rating. When he does not do a play-action fake, he has a 52% completion rating and a 76.8 passer rating. That's brutal. So I think that the Steelers are going to utilize the play-action fake a ton, which could pay off for James Washington, Juju Smith-Schuster. Let's hope that the Steelers are watching the game film. But the biggest beneficiaries of this are James Conner and possibly Jalen Samuels because of the explosive runs they allow. I think James Washington has an excellent week. I think that Dante Moncrief, if he somehow makes his way back in the fold, could have an excellent week. And I think that Jalen Samuels, who is known for putting together big plays, could have an excellent week. James Conner, you're just too slow for me right now. I'm hoping that you have a great week. I just don't know if it's going to happen for you. Just keep an eye on the play-action fake this week for the Bengals' defense versus the play-action fake. That's fair. Transitioning into offensive players, my first one, James Conner. I've been playing him every week. There's one league where I just don't have a lot of great running backs, man. It just didn't work out for me there. James Conner, I thought, was my guy and just has not worked out. I'm a glutton for punishment, man. I just keep starting him. Production's just not there. But like you said, maybe this week. Yeah, I mean, keep holding on. Hope. They could end up having a huge week this week, man. I mean, we have to see how it rolls out. For me, my first offensive player that I'm glutton for punishment for is going to be Todd Gurley versus the Bucks defense. And the run defense has been insane. Uh, they've had 21 tackles for loss or no gain. They've only allowed a 2.9 average depth of target, which is second in the league. They've literally camped out, set up a tent, pitched a tent in the backfield of opposing players. 
Vita V is literally taking this team to another level that they wanted when they got Vita V in the draft that year. That's why I wanted the Redskins to get them. Yep. But the thing that the Rams have not been doing is passing a ton of Gurley, which I've already talked about. If they can set them up with a screen game, it could end up being huge. Huge. I need to see some, some passing downs. I want to play Todd Gurley so bad this week, but it scares the living shit out of me. It scares me so bad. But Tampa Bay is a phenomenal, phenomenal defense to rank first up against the running backs, so it's going to be a scary, scary play for me. I'm glutton for punishment. I think I'm playing again this week in a lot of leagues. You just got to. I'm glutton for punishment, man. I you like are. BDSM. And I'm going to be there with you, my friend. Okay? Don't feel scared. I'll be there with you. My second offensive player, it's another JC. It's Jared Cook, tied in for the New Orleans Saints. Former Gamecock. Forever to thee. Love my South Carolina Gamecocks in the NFL. Teddy Bridgewater loves tight ends. I spoke about this before. Jared Cook, he just hasn't been producing like a top-tier tight end this year. But I want it to happen. I keep playing him. Why do we do this? Do we like punishment? We Are like, we gluttons? We like BDSM, and we're glutton for punishment. But with the Saints, man, they had a great game last week against the Seahawks. And they got Dallas this week, Tampa Bay. The matchups are not great for Jared Cook. But I feel like he's going to get the targets that he needs to have a decent game, fantasy-wise, to give me the points that I want. And I'm going to keep starting him. I'm a glutton. I like that punishment. I got I to gotta ride with him. I I am going to have to go with James White. I dropped him in a couple leagues, but in other leagues I still have him. I still have James White. I don't know why. I think I'm a glutton for punishment. I think you are. He's a solid guy, man. He catches out of the backfield, but he's been injured. And like you said last week, Ma, where's the meatloaf? I never know what she's doing back I there. Never know what she's, I never know what Bill Belichick's doing. I never, never do. Know. But the Bills' defense has been very stout so far. They've allowed almost no production to the running backs on the ground. However, in the passing game, in the passing game, they allow an 87% catch rate. They've allowed two touchdowns and 106.5 passer rating to the running backs. They are the 30th ranked coverage unit as a whole. In the first two games, White ran a route on 64% of Tom Brady's dropbacks. He ended up having 121.4 passer rating. James White this week could be a tremendous, tremendous play. It's scary because the Bills have a great defense. It is scary. That is true. But I'm going for punishment. I'm sticking with James White this week. That's what we got to do. I mean, the Bills Mafia, they must be going ham right now. 3-0, solid defense. Crazy games, man. I, I like watching the Bills this year. So that's going to wrap it up for us, guys. We appreciate you all for listening once again. Here's the thing. We had to get rid of King of the Mountain. It just drawed on for too long. We didn't feel like there was enough energy coming in. We had to have some fun with this. So we went with BDSM, Glutton for Punishment. Let us know what you guys think. Do you like this segment more or less than King of the Mountain? I love the song. I mean, that was my favorite song to listen to. It gave me hype for this actual right. segment. But, you know, it, it didn't end up uh, producing any kind of energy. So let us know what you guys think. And I'm going to go ahead and hand it off to the plug man, Devin. Find us on Facebook at Fantasy Intervention. At us on Twitter at FF underscore Intervention. If you want to at me directly, you got Mr. Devin757. That's on Instagram and on Twitter. And listen to us wherever you find podcasts. SoundCloud, Google Play, Apple Store, CastBox. And again, recently, we were approved on Stitcher. Download Stitcher. Subscribe. Like anywhere that you listen to us, like, subscribe, leave a comment, send us questions. 
if you send us a good question, we might bring it up on the air with us. Shout you out. Yeah, just like we did earlier. Huge shout out to Adam for that question earlier. Once again, guys, thank you all for listening, and thank you for letting us intervene with your fantasy football lives. My name is Devin. I'm the Vikings fan here at Fantasy Intervention. My father is a Lions fan. I know it's crazy, but I hope every year that he has a season like we have. But I want them to go one year and just get a a Super Bowl for this guy. He has it rough, man. He's a Michigan fan, and he's a Detroit fan. He's Red Wings. He's everything. He's everything Detroit. Tigers, I think, just clinched the worst record in baseball. I need to see more out of him in order to really support him. So I'm effing him lightly, very easily, just can we, can very we, slow. Can in we and please out. insert "fucker gently" by Tenacious D in there? <laughs> I will do my best <laughs> if I have time to edit it. <laughs> just edit that in there, okay? That'd be awesome. But fellas, listen closely. You don't always have to fuck her hard. In fact, sometimes that's not right to do sometimes you got to make some love and fucking give us some smooches too sometimes you got to squeeze sometimes you got to say please sometimes you got to say i'm gonna fuck you softly I'm gonna screw you gently I'm gonna hump you sweetly I'm gonna ball you discreetly And then you say, hey, I brought you flowers And then you say, wait a minute, Sally I think I got something in my teeth Could you get it out for me? That's fucking teamwork What's your favorite position? That's cool with me, it's not my favorite, but I'll do it for you. What's your favorite dish? I'm not gonna cook it, but I'll order it from Zanzibar.